It was the best of times. It was the blurst of times. <laughs> Tell me about it, stud. Clink, clink. <laughs> Welcome to another episode of Cursed or Blessed. It's been a good week recovering from the trauma that was inflicted by Cat in the Hat. Yeah, we did well this week. Well, you did... Sorry. <laughs> Four. <laughs> For context. We're <laughs> drinking mulled wine and at least let me mull it this time and I just... Filled it with cloves. And I think she just aspirated about six of them. Yeah, there were four. <laughs> well, but other than other than choking on cloves, it's been a really good week since Cat in the Hat. Yeah, I think I think we did well this week. This was this week we did Grease because you answered our poll. Yeah, we wanted a musical. It was Annie versus Grease and it was about sixty-four percent in favour of Greece at the end, so you won if you voted for that. Thanks, guys. God, I love democracy. <laughs> Speaking of democracy, next time the episode no, when this episode is out, um, we might have a new prime minister in this country that but we're in. Probably the same one. I remain hopeful. Cursed or blessed, we'll take a side, and we think Boris Johnson is cursed. Yeah, he's a cursed movie. He is cursed. We watched Greece this week. <laughs> What's the plot of Greece, Elise? I feel like this is embedded into everyone's cultural memory. Greece is the time, is the place, is the motion. Yeah, Greece is the way we're feeling. <laughs> At least it's the way I'm feeling right now. I'm feeling very greasy. I need a shower. So, Greece is a charming Americana snippet. No, it's a film. It's a full-ass film. And a, a film is a snippet if you perceive time differently. Or if you're gonna get your scissors to cut the old real to real. Yep. Grease is a high school drama comedy musical set in the 1950s, 1950s California, and there are many winding subplots, but the major storyline is the blossoming romance between Sandy and Danny Zuko. Sandy is an Australian student who has her family has just moved to America, and Danny is a greaser um, who loves to do cars. <laughs> he just loves them cars. They spent a whole hot, wet summer together at the beach. That's why they were wet. Yeah. No other reason. <laughs> they were making out and nothing else. Summer um, 11 had me a blast. But it also happened so fast. He met a girl crazy for him. <laughs> um... <laughs> Sandy goes to Rydell High for the first time in her life as a new student and falls in with the Pink Ladies, who are a girl gang who are meant to be the cool girls in the school, but I doubt it. <laughs> they're all incredibly dorky. They definitely think they're the cool girls in the school, much like Danny, Danny Zuko's T-Birds think they're the cool guys in the school, but... yeah. I very much doubt that. Um, soon Sandy is introduced again to Danny and thinks that her romance with him is going to uh, reignite immediately, but he's just kind of acting cool and she's embarrassed and annoyed 
and she kind of strikes it out with a jock instead. Then there's just a series of subplots that just get set into motion right here, which we'll talk about later, but Danny basically tries to become a jock by getting good at sports. Sandy gets mocked by some other girls at school. There's a dance-off, and there's an argument in the cinema. There's a drive-in, and then they make up in a sexy way. That's the plot of Grease. Yeah, there... Did I miss anything major? Not really. It's, it's <laughs> light. Oh no, there's um. There's an illegal street race. There's, yes. But that doesn't really factor into the resolution at all, except that Sandy watches it. It's kind of difficult to say what the main plot of Grease is, because there are so many... It feels kind of episodic to me. Yeah, because there's so many subplots that, like, they all emotionally kind of resonate with each other, because they're all this, like, trials of young love sort of subplots, and um, just, like, struggles of youth in general, yeah. But they don't actually intersect with each other in terms of events in one subplot setting off events in the other. Yeah. They're all happening in parallel, but they're not actually affecting each other. Yes. So the subplots are kind of centered on the main pink ladies and the main T-Birds. So should we talk about the pink ladies first? Let's talk about the pink ladies. Who have we got? So we've got Rizzo. She's the main one. She's cool and pregnant, but she's not pregnant. She's not pregnant. She has a pregnancy scare. Spoilers. Um, for this movie that came out in 1978. <laughs> uh, there's Rizzo, there's Frenchie, who is friends with Sandy already. I'm not sure how they met, but they're friends at the beginning of the movie, and she is the one who introduces Sandy to the pink ladies. Frenchie wants to go to beauty school. Yes. And her subplot is her dropping out of high school and then flunking out of beauty school and going back to high school. She has many fun wigs. She has many fun wigs. There's Jan. <laughs> Jan? Who's just a, a bit of a dork. Jan's great. She, I love Jan. Yeah. Uh, and then Marty, who is dating many people in the army. Is that yes. her plot? Yeah. Many older men. Many older men. I like the pink ladies, apart from when they bully Sandy. They're quite nice. Yeah, the pink ladies are, are very... Accepting of Sandy initially, and then they invite her over to a sleepover, and stuff gets mean real fast. It does. Um, yeah, this is the part of the musical where they sing, look at me, I'm Sandra D," and they all make fun of the way that Sandy is, which is kind of straight-laced. Yeah. Um, this is interesting because we both mentioned this after the scene, that, like, the... Watching it again after so long, I had memories of, of Sandy being very vocal about not drinking or smoking or mm. any of this sort of thing and, like, judging the pink ladies for it. But she that's not what happens. No, she is given the option to drink and smoke and have her ears pierced. And she's hesitant because she's not tried those things before, but tries all of them. Mm-hmm. And doesn't do very well, um, and is, is sick when Frenchie tries to pierce her ears, and that's when they all make fun of her. But I had distinct memories of Sandy saying, like, oh, I really wanted to do that, but my parents wouldn't let me. Which also doesn't happen. Which also doesn't... Not in the movie. No. We suspect that... See, our memories of Grease are a little bit clouded, because we both had a phenomenal time watching Grease live a few years back when that came out. Yeah! Which is a slightly... Carly Rae Jepsen is Frenchie! <laughs> it's a slightly different plot, because it's got a couple more songs. Marty has a song, and then one of the other T-Birds has a song. Um, it's a little longer, so stuff is more fleshed out, and then Sandy has her 
plot involves tension with her parents yes. who have made her this sort of straight-laced person. Yeah, and she's always expressing the desire to be cooler and mm-hmm. to try new things in life, but her parents are kind of reining her in, which I think is also reflected in the stage musical, mm-hmm. um, but not in the movie. But she does try the things anyway. Yeah, she does. She tries this cigarette and coughs a lot. Um, and then just kind of hands it back, and then she tries a swig of wine and doesn't... Yeah, and then some buffoon has put, like, six cloves in the wine <laughs> and starts choking on the wine. Who could that have been? <laughs> um, the other pink lady, Shannon. <laughs> God, I'd be such a good pink lady. Um, <laughs> Shandy D. <laughs> Look at me, I'm Shandy P. <laughs> That's how I'd like to be referred to from now on. I'd like to be it's a T-bird. It's my stage bird. name. <laughs> I want to be a T-bird. It's like massive fucking dorks. <laughs> the T-birds are meant to be the cool kids at the school. I think that I think they think they're cool, and they're just—they're not complete idiots. I love them. I love that at the slightest provocation, they will whip out their combs that they all keep in their belts and comb their hair. Yeah, that's the funniest thing in the world to me. They're all like over thirty as well. There's one of them that is like—he looks like a fifty-year-old man. <laughs> <laughs> I think all the pink ladies are as well. Like the actress playing Sandy, well, Olivia Newton-John is older than John Travolta. Mm-hmm. Not by much, by like one or two years, but they're all in their late 20s and early 30s. It is a little bit like a CW show set in a high school. Yeah. Um, there are no teenagers in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I think that the T-Birds and the Pink Ladies are both fun. I feel like the Pink Ladies have more defined characters than the T-Birds, which yeah. Danny Zuko, main one, he has a character. Yeah. He has a personality. And then you've got Kaniki. Mm-hmm. And he's a definite guy who says things and has thoughts and feelings about stuff. Yeah. And the other ones just kind of feel like spares. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is. It's it's Danny Kinnicky and the other ones. There's right. three other T birds. One of them is called Sunny, I think, but I don't remember the names of the other two. It's like if the T birds are One Direction, Danny is Harry and Knicky is Zane. Yeah. And then the other ones are just the spare ones yeah. of One Direction. Mm-hmm. If anyone from One Direction is listening in, because your career is dead and you're out of luck and you're just listening to podcasts and you're free, Niall, I'm really <laughs> sorry. <laughs> I'm sure you'd be good at admin. <laughs> The other One Directioners, fans of the podcast, friends of the show. Boy, so yeah, this is just me like training to be uh, one of the one of the characters in Greece, just by like casual bullying. Yeah, there's a lot of casual bullying. Yeah, um, some of it in more or less good fun. I think what they do to what the Pink Ladies do to Sandy is quite mean. It's yeah. especially mean of Frenchie. Yeah, Frenchie. Like the other Pink Ladies have just met Sandy. Um, it's still very mean of them to sing a, a song pretending to be her while wearing blonde wigs. Um, but, like, Frenchie's her friend and invited her into this group and is fully taking part in this. Yep. But other other things that I remembered as a kid as bullying, I'm more chill on now. Mm. Like, I remember them being quite mean to Patty Simcox in when I first watched it. Yeah. Patty Simcox is, like, head of student council, head of cheerleading. She's really full of herself, a bit of a prep. And just kind of, like, obnoxious. And she was trying to befriend Sandy and trying to, like, butt her way into conversations and stuff. And they sort of, like, jerk around with her a bit. Now, in the fresh light of day, in 2019, I'm like, 
fine. Yeah. I hate Patty Simcox. Yeah, I didn't like her either. Um, yeah, I remember them being mean as well, but they're they're not really. The same cannot be said of Eugene. Oh, yeah, the T-Birds are awful to Eugene. He has no lines in the movie. Apart um, from maybe, hey, guys. Yeah, and they just, one of them, this, this is when we were like, oh, the T-Birds aren't actually the cool kids. Um, one of them goes to shake Eugene's hand and has, like, a joy buzzer on his hand. Which is like, <laughs> what cool kid has ever owned a joy buzzer, I say, having owned one? Is that the same T-Bird who carries around a loaded water pistol? I think it is the same T-Bird <laughs> who carries around a loaded yellow water pistol. That's just a level we're talking about. So, yeah, Eugene's a nerd and he's just getting pranked. And we know he's a nerd because he's called Eugene and wears glasses. Like, he has no characterization, really. Have you ever met a Eugene who wasn't a nerd? I've never met a Eugene. Neither have I. (laughs) Any Eugenes listening, chime off in the comments as to whether or not you're a nerd. Any Eugenes listening, you absolute freaking nerds. (laughs) We're laughing at you all the time. Even if you just go around calling yourself Gene, I know the truth. (laughs) Eugene. nerd i don't think i can't i can't really remember any other t-birds names apart from sunny and kanicki and sunny sunny yeah um it doesn't matter they're just the other ones none none of them have a plot which is strange because all of the pink ladies have a plot yeah yeah they do i don't think i don't need my t-birds to have a plot though i think they're fine as just one yeah in the stage musical musical, one of them wants to be a singer yeah is that sunny I don't know. He's the one who sings um, Those Magic Changes. Mm. Uh, but that song is just playing in the background of the movie. It's not yeah. in the... It's, it's not actually sung by anyone. Yeah. So it was interesting to re-watch Grease. It was. There were certain things that... So my first memory of watching Grease was Christmas. I think I was... I, I was a child. Um, and my, my nanny, my nan, had bought... Uh, the DVD of Grease for me to watch. She liked it. Mm. And she had a nasty habit of, like, spoiling things just before they were about to happen. Oh, no. So when I got the DVD at Christmas, she gave me the full lowdown of the plot right there and then. And then while watching it, she was like that, too. She was like, ah, yes, and now she's going to come out in a lovely leather catsuit and her hair's all done up and she's going to be smoking a cigarette. It's like, ah, well, um... That's my first memory of it. I saw it, I think, with friends at a sleepover for the first time when I was maybe 11 or 12. I I don't really remember other than that. I knew the songs already, so... Yes. Songs, I think, were, like, in the childhood cultural memory of at least our two countries. Mm -hmm. I remember, I was just telling Shannon this yesterday, when I was in Brownies, which is Young Girl Scouts... I don't know how old I must have been, maybe like eight or nine. Me and some other girls, there was a challenge to do a choreographed dance routine to a song from a movie. And me and these girls decided to do Grease Lightning. (laughs) And I remember getting like in some level of minor trouble with the brownie leader. Um, If you're listening, I stand by my decision, brown owl. I stand by it. I don't care if you're listening. You good. Take that firm artistic stance. <laughs> Eugene. <laughs> she wasn't called Eugene. She may as well have been. 
No, and I think at the time we were not like fully cognizant of the lyrics because we were like copying the dance moves from the movie where there's a lot of hip thrusting. Mm-hmm. Just a lot of pelvic movements yeah. with this group of little brownies. Mm-hmm. And you know, we were singing everything. We were singing the chicks will cream as <laughs> if we knew what that meant. <laughs> so yeah. And then I just didn't watch it for years and years and years. Can we talk about Grease Lightning, that scene? Yeah, we can. That's my favorite scene of the musical. Yeah. Do you want to describe it? It's there. So Kaniki's gotten a new car, and he thinks it's very cool, but it, it is beat to hell um, and barely drives. Um, so they're all in the auto shop at the school, all the T-Birds, um, and they're all kind of, the spare T-Birds are making fun of Kaniki's car. And Danny says, like, no, you just got to have vision about what this car could be. <laughs> and then he sings Greased Lightning. And, like, through the course of the song, the it goes from, like, the, the sort of rusty old auto shop to the big shiny stage. And the car is very fancy now. And they're all in, like, silver jumpsuits. <laughs> Danny Zuko is, is dancing like Elvis, I think, was the point, like, the purpose of... The way he was framed in that scene. Now that ma- imagine a bunch of brownies from East Anglia doing it. <laughs> Even more wonderful. Even better. <laughs> um, yeah, and they, they fix up the car in order for Kinnicky to be able to drive it in an illegal street race that yeah. the teacher fully knows about. Yeah, the teacher's like giving them information about where it is, egging them on to do it. She's at the street race yeah. when that eventually happens. My teachers would never. No. I don't think any of my teachers would have known where the illegal street races were happening. I do not believe there was illegal street la- races in my area. I have to assume they were happening in Chatham, Ontario. <laughs> Crime den. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, the songs in this movie are really what make it. There are so many, and I always forget how many there are until until I watch it. But it does stop the pacing from ever faltering, I think. Like, there's... Yes. I, I, I never get bored watching the movie because it, it does go quickly from song to song. And I think... I, I have something to say about maybe all of the songs. Maybe we could just, like, power through some of them. Okay. Okay, let's... Um, first one is Summer Eleven. Let's start No, there. it's not. The first one is Gre- is uh, Grease is the Word, Shannon. Oh, right. From the, the opening credits. Shannon, you've forgotten about this whole cartoon montage. Yeah, the fact that it opens with a cartoon montage where it has like weird caricatures of all the cast being like John Travolta as Danny Zuko and then it's like a cartoon of his face and all these like cartoons of the 50s. And what's interesting about this is at the exact two minute mark in the movie for a flash second like a nanosecond we see a cartoon of a biker with a swastika in the background and then it flashes away. Yeah, and we... We went back and paused it, because I missed it, and then you were like, hang on. And we, we backed it up and paused it, and it was definitely there, and then I googled it, looking for what I hoped was dozens of articles yeah. on this, and found nothing but a couple of Reddit posts asking the same question. I think you were googling for like a nearly ten minute period there Yeah, too. just trying to find something about it. The best I could find was that it was, like, it's there over the picture of the biker because some bikers in that era would wear swastikas as like a anti-society sort of thing, it's which is just... Incredibly anti-society. Yeah. Uh, Too anti-society. Other than that, I have no real idea yeah. what it was doing But there. it's really strange for such a popular movie that no one has been asking 
asking these questions. Maybe we were just eagle-eyed when we saw it, but if anyone knows why that is there, let us know. Mm. It's very strange. Niall, if you're still listening, which (laughs) you are, you're not doing anything else with your time, get Googling, boy. (laughs) Yeah, that entire opening montage is, like, it's either cartoons of the cast or um, just cartoons of 50s stuff. And then the next song after that is Summer Lovin'. Everyone's favourite karaoke song. Tell yeah. you what, when this comes up in a karaoke, I just live in fear. <laughs> People want to deliberately sing that last bit horribly. Yeah. Like strangled, several strangled cats. <laughs> Which is, you know, only a minor, like, knock from what it sounds like in the movie. Yeah. Because they do sound like strangled cats there, too. Oh, that's true. Um... Nah. gonna look that's gonna sound really good yeah it's gonna be amazing (laughs) i think as a roommate bonding exercise we should go sing summer loving at karaoke yeah (laughs) we should just get trashed and go sing grease songs at karaoke in downtown edinburgh this is the uh the first time we see a fun phenomena in this movie where like the pink ladies and the T-Birds are sort of doing their own thing, dancing by themselves, and then they just, like, pick up miscellaneous T-Birds. <laughs> yeah, it starts with just, there's, like, what, what, five of each. Yeah. And then as the song goes on, like, more and more random students at the school are accumulated into these dance numbers. And you'll see a guy clicking in the background, and the next time you see him, he'll be a bit closer. The next time you see him, he'll be a bit closer, like a freaking weeping angel. <laughs> This happens in this movie an awful lot. <laughs> yeah. It's the it's the sheer animal magnetism of the T-Birds and the Pink Ladies. They just... People just flock. We have Look At Me, I'm Sandra D, which we've mentioned. Mm-hmm. And that is followed quite quickly by... Hopelessly, Hopelessly devoted. devoted to you. This song, okay. Sandy has taken some pink notepaper from Marty... Um, who's writing love letters to the many soldiers that she's dating, um, and goes out onto the back step. <laughs> Sorry, I just drank five cloves again. <laughs> You're a public menace, Shannon. I just looked up and she was just glaring at me and pointing at the glass with all the cloves stuck to the side. Sorry, what were you saying about Olivia Newton-Dong? <laughs> what I was saying... Was that she takes her pink notepaper out to the back porch and sings this song and then drops the notepaper in what initially looks like a puddle that has Danny's face in it. And then she like swirls the paper around and then the camera pans out and it's like a blow up kiddie pool. (laughs) And it's the funniest thing I've ever seen. It has all, it has the very same energy I think as High School Musical 2's Bet On It. It does! Where Zac Efron is, like, angry singing... Um, At a golf skipping course. Skipping around a golf course and then, like, basically punches the golf pond. Yeah. <laughs> very, very similar. Bad on it, bad on it, bad on it, bad on it. High School Musical, potential cursed or blurst. And 100% blessed. No, High School Musical 2 is blessed. The first one... And then we've got... After There's that. so many goddamn songs. Is yeah. it a school dropout? No, I think it's Greased Lightning after that. It's Greased Lightning. we talked about. 
And okay, Beauty School Dropout is a song where Frenchie has... She's dropped out of um, beauty school and she doesn't know what to do next. She thinks she might be a waitress or a telephone operator or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then she uh, wishes for a guardian angel um, to tell her what to do. And he appears and he's like an angel and sings a really mean-spirited song at her. Um, where one of the lyrics is, You think you're such a looker, but no customer would come to you unless she was a hooker. Yeah, it's a, the lyrics of that song are... Just, like, he's bullying her into going back to high school. Bullying the musical. (laughs) Bullying is bad, kids. Unless you're in Greece, in which case it makes you very cool. (laughs) Makes you popular. (laughs) And successful. Um, It's poor Frenchie. But I remember really liking that song as a kid. But Mm -hmm. it's cooled on me now. Mm -hmm. Because it's mean. It is mean. I remember liking it when Carly Rae Jepsen was Frenchie in Grease Live. I did like that. I love Carly Rae Jepsen. She's great. I would die for her. Canadian treasure, Carly Rae Jepsen. (laughs) Um, After that, it's um, Stranded at the Drive-In, isn't Mm. it? Unless you're counting the sort of... Born to Hand Drive song. Oh, yeah, the, the dance-off song. Born to Hand Drive. We'll talk about that. I'm just going to make a note. Talk about dance-off in a minute. Yeah, we've got some stuff to say about the dance-off. Um, <laughs> but as we're going through the songs, then it's Stranded at the Drive-In, which I think has a very similar energy as well to Bet on It from High School Musical. Yeah. Um... <laughs> Yeah, uh, I especially like the ending of it where Danny is, is sitting on a swing at the drive-in theater and you can see the screen playing the opening trailers in the background and there's just like a dancing animated hot dog on the screen in the background as he's just like Stay weeping. I wonder why, yay, yay, yay. Yeah, and you mentioned this yesterday, like, this and Hopelessly Devoted to You are, like, massive overreaction songs to slight skirmishes. Yeah. Sandy <laughs> and Danny have, like, a tiny little argument, and then one of them has an epic song-induced meltdown. <laughs> uh, the next song's a good one, too. There Are Worse Things I Could Do. Yeah. Rizzo. She's been ostracized by her fellow students because everyone, including herself, thinks that she's pregnant by Kaniki. Yeah. And it's a very mature song. Yeah, it that one got me. Like I remember not when I saw it as a kid, I didn't quite get what was going on. But like emotionally, that was a lot this yeah. time when I watched it. I remember it got me a lot when I watched Grease Live because Same. on that particular day, Vanessa Hudgens, who was playing Rizzo, her father had died. Yeah, and then she had to go and do Grease Live, yeah. and she did phenomenally in that song. She was fantastic. Yeah, she was like all the way through. She was amazing. Yeah, I know how she held it together. Yeah, she was great. Mm-hmm. Watch Grease Live. That's yeah, good. and while you're at it, if you're a Vanessa Hudgens man, watch A Night Before Christmas. We watched that the other day. It's one of those Netflix Hallmark Christmas movies. Can I just, like, stop this Grease podcast to talk about that? <laughs> oh my god, I love it so much. The premise is, there's a knight from uh, medieval Norwich, England, which is near where I live. I know Norwich well. Um, and he gets tricked by a witch to time travelling to present-day Ohio, where he falls in love with science teacher Vanessa Hudgens. Yeah. And it's it's so stupid. I love it. Please watch it. Shannon loved it, too. Oh, so much. I feel like um, 
I felt like I was bullying you by getting you to watch that because I knew that you'd hate it. I was having a meltdown. Um, I think I, I'm not schooled in Hallmark Christmas movies. I haven't watched many of them and wasn't emotionally prepared for what I was about to see. You're not hardened like me. Because I, I, I love Vanessa Hudgens dearly. I didn't want to see that. <laughs> You're making a sound like just being mutated the other night. It was so <laughs> awful. It was bad. And I, like, it brought out an ugly side of me, I think, because I kept, like, every time the knight would say something, I'd be on my phone Googling shit, like, when were oranges introduced in medieval England, and yeah, then, like, like, showing... No, he wouldn't, he would be, he wouldn't be literate. He wouldn't still have teeth at the age of 26. <laughs> <laughs> it brought out something dark inside of me. But Shannon, if he doesn't have any teeth, he can't do hot makeouts. With Vanessa Hudgens. <laughs> he was, like, so into bathing as well. It wasn't even a little bit afraid he'd get haunted because of it. He's very adaptable. I just... I'm so deeply distressed by everything that happened in A Night Before Christmas. Watch A Night Before Christmas. If you have the spare time, Niall, you have time. So the next <laughs> song... I think is at the end, right? Yeah, then it's uh, You're the One That I Want. Yeah, yeah, Which yeah. Which is my favorite one. Yeah. Um, where Sandy comes out in her, like, leather catsuit. Tell me about it, stud. Uh, and then r- directly following that is We Go Together, the finale song. Like, <laughs> and then Shannon got really freaked out because she forgot that the coffin sailed into the sky. Yeah, they drive away at the end, but they, like, drive into the clouds, the car that they're Sandy and Danny are in flies into the sky. And that I did not ne- remember that. That was never a surprise to me because my nanny told me it was going to happen when she first gave me the DVD. Hmm. No one, no one spoiled for me that there would be a flying car in this movie. With that being said, I feel that there are things in this movie that I had either blocked out or just forgotten, which makes it prime cursed or blurst material. Yeah. Let's talk about the dance-off. Oh my god. Okay, I definitely had blocked out most of this. Um, the first thing that comes up in the dance-off is the character Cha-Cha, who I forgot existed. She's very. She's in Grease Live, and I saw that a lot more recently, and I still kind of forgot she existed. Um, it's kind of implied she's Danny's ex of some description. Yeah, she's, and she's a best dancer in the neighboring high school. Yeah, and she wants to win the dance-off, so in the middle of it, she kind of cuts in and snags Danny from Sandy, and Sandy runs away sad. Um... And Cha-Cha and Danny win the dance-off. Yeah. Um, and there's there's just a lot of, like, tension there that ultimately goes nowhere. Because, like, Sandy and Danny don't really ever talk about it except for, like, two lines of dialogue. Where he's like, yeah, I went with her, but I'm not going with her anymore. And she's like, it's just the same. And then they never talk no, about it again. No, it's not, Sandy. But What's then... the main thing about the dance-off, Elise? Uh, yeah, the, so the guy who's in charge, he's the compare of the... Dance off is a character that I had forgotten about by the name of Vince Fontaine, and he immediately strikes a fancy towards Marty, one of the pink ladies. Vince Fontaine is a grown ass adult. Vince Fontaine is a pedophile. Yeah, he's um he's the host of what's the show called American Bandstand. Bandstand National Dance Off or something. Um, yeah. so he's like hosting this dance off that's being 
the broadcast live. For some like, anyone wants to watch that. Yeah, and um, he starts flirting with Marty. And then sort of takes her on as a personal assistant. Yeah, and then, so, like, while everyone's out on the dance floor, Vince Fontaine is going around, and, like, when people are eliminated, he taps them on the shoulder and they have to leave. So he's, like, circulating, watching people, and Sandy and Danny are dancing, And then Vince Fontaine, like, tries to cut in and is, like, checking Sandy out. And Danny has to go up to him and be like, hey, watch it, and, like, scare him off. Yeah, it was very serious. Yeah. With good reason, too. Vince Fontaine is a creep. Yeah. And then nothing's really mentioned for a while. Like, we don't see Vince Fontaine at the end of that scene in particular. But we do hear about it later on at the drive-in, where in the toilets... Rizzo and Marty are having a conversation, and what is it exactly that Marty says in uh, passing? Um, Marty says, Vince Font- I caught Vince Fontaine slipping aspirin into my drink at the dance. Yeah, and then Shannon and I looked at each other and both were like, oh! <laughs> yeah, and then it just gets dropped because the next, the immediate next piece of information is Rizzo saying that she thinks she's pregnant. Yeah. Um, and that, like, takes over the, the rest of the film. Um, so we never get any sort of follow-up on Marty's thing. But Marty's thing is, like, so scary. Yeah. And it has, like, quite a lot of build-up, too, Mm -hmm. because of the whole dance-off scene, which lasts, like, a fucking hour. Yeah. (laughs) Okay, we did say that there were no pacing problems in this movie, but the dance-off scene goes for so long. And they only have two, they only dance to two songs. Yeah. One to hand drive, just, I I wasted a whole year of my life. Yeah. (laughs) Listening to Born to Handjob. Because no one's singing it, it's just like playing in the background, so it's not as dynamic as the other songs in the movie. Yeah. Um, Here's my favourite thing about the dance-off, though. The only good thing, I think, about the dance-off is at the end, because everything's being shown on national television, some of the the spare T-birds decide to take their pants off and moon at the cameras. And then it's broadcast on national live television. And then the next day, the teachers put out a warning and they say something like, you will be caught. We've sent the footage to Washington. The footage is now being analysed by the FBI. And they will identify people. We, they have means of using this sort of footage to identify the perpetrators. And the T-birds look scared. So in this universe, there's but FBI? <laughs> I don't yeah, know. But IG? I think it was implied that the teacher was lying to get them to come forward. I hope so. Because <laughs> I was like, butt cops. <laughs> it's a weird, the whole dance-off bit is very weird. It's just like, it's kind of right in the middle of the movie. And there's not, like, the, the emotional note of the whole thing is, like, Cha-Cha cutting in with Danny. Yeah. Not um, secondary to... Vince Fontaine being an absolute pedophile. Yeah, so that's like... We were kind of just, like, tracking him for the whole thing. Yeah. Like, watch it, buddy. Um, Yeah, it was... It was an odd bit of the movie. I don't really think the emotional moment with Danny and Sandy went anywhere, to be honest. No. I don't think it actually really feeds into either of their internal workings about their relationship. Like, they're yeah. they're both sort of doing a lot of self-evaluation, a lot of, like, who am I soul-searching. And the answer is there's Jean Valjean. <laughs> 
one. <laughs> There's this fun bit actually at the beginning that we didn't mention where Danny Zuko steals a loaf of bread <laughs> to save his sister's son. <laughs> no, you're right. The dance-off scene with them does not work. No, because they go to the drive-in after that and yeah. that's the big emotional moment yeah. for them. Um, when Danny gives her like a promise ring. Yeah, and then... Then starts to make out with her and then she doesn't... She f- she freaks. freaks out. Yeah. And then they have an argument and she runs off. Yeah. And then he sings Bet on It. Yep. <laughs> Bet on It Mark Two. <laughs> Drive-in edition. Um, this might be a good point to talk about the discourse. Yeah. So the discourse surrounding Greece. And this is one of the main reasons I chose it as a contender for Cursed or Blessed. Is that often people will... I think a little bit flippantly say, in Greece, Sandy changes herself for a man, therefore it's bad. Yeah. Um, while I, I agree with you, this is kind of your hill to die on, so do you want to take this from here? Well, okay, yeah, but I think, right, so remember how earlier we said that our opinion of Greece was sort of a blended mix of the movie and the Grease Live stage version. This, I think, is where, if you'd asked me a couple days ago, my opinion was, and it still kind of is, but for different reasons, that Sandy's arc in Greece is not unfeminist. I think people, yeah, they like to say that it's bad because she changes herself for a man. And while she does change herself, I remember from, I suppose, the stage version, she does do a lot of saying, I want to be this kind of a person. I want to have more cool interest. I want to experience more out of life. And she's always having these sort of reflections and reprises where she's, you know, agreeing with the other girls that she wants to be doing these things, but her parents, who are Mormons, um, in the live version at least, are prohibiting her from these things. So she sort of uses her relationship with Danny as an outlet for you know, ultimately changing her style at the end. Yeah. And it's kind of up to her. Now, watching the movie yesterday, I still think it is up... It is her it is her full choice to change her aesthetic, but it still is not because of Danny. Like, it's even less because of Danny in the, mu- in the movie. It's more because she wants to... She wants to break out of her shell. In um, the reprise of Look at Me, I'm Sandra D, that Sandy sings herself right in the last scene where we see her before she does her style change. She says, what's the line? Wholesome and pure, but so scared and unsure. Mm. Like, she's, she's anxious about a lot of things, and she wants to overcome that for multiple reasons. Yeah. And, like, you pointed out that she doesn't change herself to be with Danny because Danny is already into her. Yeah. He's into her the whole time. And, yeah, Danny is the one in both versions I've seen who actively changes himself to get the girl. Yeah. He, um, Sandy makes a a comment about preferring to hang out with this jock that she's hanging out with at the beginning and suggesting that Danny can't run rings around them as he had joked, because he can't run, because <laughs> he's uh, bad at sports. So, so Danny it, joins the track team and letters in track. <laughs> there's a whole montage in the movie of him trying out different sports and not doing very well, quite comically. And he outright says to, you know, his friends throughout, and also, like, at the very end scene, that he's he is changing himself. He wants to straighten himself, straighten up his act to get with Sandy. 
He says that. Sandy does not say anything to that effect. No, she doesn't. Uh, what she, what Frenchie says to Sandy is like, right after the look at me, I'm Sandra D. Reprise, she says, are you okay or are you happy? And Sandy says, no, I'm not, but I think I know a way I could be. Basically, I, I need a change. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I think throughout, Sandy is really intrigued by not just Danny, but like the pink ladies and the T-Birds as a group. Like, she wants to be joining in with what the pink ladies are doing. Like we mentioned, she's trying the cigarettes and the alcohol. She's just not used to it. Yeah. Um, but she's keen. She's keen. She's always hanging around with them. She goes to the illegal street race at Thunder Road. And what she's, at the end, when she's kind of wistfully watching, she's watching the whole group of them being excited that Danny's won. Not just Danny. Like, I think it's indicative of her desire to come out of her shell a little bit more. So, and I also mentioned at the end, and you're the one that I want, where we see Sandy's transformation. The Both the lyrics of the song and the staging of the scene put all of the balance of power on Sandy. Yeah. She's, like, the when they're singing the song, they're going around this, like, carnival, and she's leading and Danny's following the entire time, and he's always, like, falling over himself and, like, at her feet for, like, half the song. When she, like, goes up on steps, he's below her. Mm-hmm. She leads him through the whole carnival. And, and he, like, like, is adoring her. Yeah. Yeah. And, like, her, one of the first verse is her saying, you better shape up because I need a man and my heart is set on you. And then when Danny gets his verse, he doesn't say, like, you also need to change for me. He says, I'd better shape up because you need a man. Mm. Like, it's really, she's not changing herself for him at all. No. She's changing herself for her and what she wants. Like, when she's out with the jock at the beginning, too, the, the guy who, because she's a cheerleader, this is sort of the football player that she's supposed to be into, she's always looking over at the pink ladies and the T-birds at the other table. Mm. Trying to see if they're looking at her and then just kind of intrigued by what they're doing. Yeah, I don't think really there's any indication that Sandy doesn't want to be that kind of person. No. And I can see how if you did a stage version and you wanted to push the idea that Sandy was impressionable and wanted to change herself for Danny, you could stage it that way. But there's nothing nothing in the script that gives her that. Yeah. You could you could do a slightly sexist version of Greece. Yeah, for sure. Um, like, it's definitely possible. Yeah. But if <laughs> you mentioned if anyone's bullying Sandy into changing herself, it's Rizzo. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> definitely not Danny, who already he gives her the ring, like, when she's still kind of, like, straight-laced poodle skirt Sandy. Yes. I also remember watching it the first time. That I remember, I remember Danny being more mean to Sandy throughout, but he really isn't that mean. He he's weird he's, to he's her. He's weird to her, but he's not like malicious. He, the drive-in scene is like, he shouldn't just like make out with her. Yeah. At least he doesn't continue to. Yeah, she says, "Danny, stop," and he like steps back and says, "What's the problem?" Yeah. Um, like that's misjudged of him, but like it doesn't go any further than that. Yeah. But I, I just for some reason, like, remember worse things happening. Yeah, I do too. I remember the first time they see each other after the summer, when they realize they're going to the same school. I remember him being awful to her, yeah. but that's not what happened. He's just, he's acting cool, but not in an I don't want to know you kind of a way. He's just 
he's very, very nervous to be seen to be into someone around his friends. Yeah, especially in, like, his friends set, not his friends, the pink ladies. Rizzo. Rizzo set this up. Um, the others didn't stop her. Like, Frenchie <laughs> knew. Frenchie knew. Um, <laughs> they, like, set this up specifically to kind em- of... Embarrass both of them, Yeah, really embarrass both of them and just be like, hey, surprise, and he's, like, really excited to see her, and then catches his friends out of the corner of his eye looking at him like, what the hell are you doing? And then he, like, tries to play it cool and casual, but isn't mean to her. He's just weird. He says stuff like, oh, I've just been rocking out and rolling. Like, that's not weird. That's not mean. It's it's just goofy. Yeah. He spends most of this movie being really goofy. Mm-hmm. And, like, quite endearing. Yeah, to be he fully is. honest. It is quite endearing. <laughs> <laughs> okay, this movie is... Has some really funny lines. The bit that I like the most, like the funniest joke for me, uh, so when Rizzo is telling Marty she's pregnant and she's like, I feel like a defective typewriter. And Marty says, what do you mean? (laughs) And she's like, I skipped a period. (laughs) That was so funny. That was so funny. (laughs) (laughs) And just like, just other goofy stuff, like it's very... I don't know, time period specific, like, oh, we're headed to Make Out City. <laughs> it's like, yeah, all all of the T-Birds and the Pink Ladies are just goofy dorks for yeah. most of the movie. Yeah. Um, who think they're very cool and edgy. And some of them are, like, distinctly uncool, and I'm talking about Jan. Yeah, I love Jan. <laughs> Jan's great. Jan is the friend who'd be like really into memes. Mm, yeah. In 2019. She's like the meme one. Yeah. <laughs> no other way to describe it. Yeah, her. and at the sleepover, there's like a a commercial on the TV of like a beaver singing about toothpaste, and Jan is like singing along to it doing like beaver teeth. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then, then like, yeah, one of the T birds has a water pistol and a joy buzzer <laughs> uh, <laughs> that he just carries around everywhere. And I think he's a T-Bird that ends up with Jan, right? Yeah, I think he is. (laughs) Match made in heaven. Um, All the japes. (laughs) I really like the bit um, right before they go to the illegal street race at Thunder Road where Kaneki is asking Danny to, like, drive with him in case something happens. And it's just, like, a very heartfelt moment where he's like, you know, the movie at the drive-in when, like, the dude had his second who was, like, his lieutenant or whatever? I just, like, I want you to be my second man. And Danny is like, do you think think something's going to happen? Well, like, no, but I just, like, I want you to be there. (laughs) Oh, all right. Yeah, yeah, of course, man. And then they, like, hug it out and then get awkward and then step back and start combing their hair. And it's my favorite part of the movie. (laughs) If you haven't seen it, just watch that scene. It's so good. It's incredibly tender and then very abruptly no homo. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, it's great. Yeah. (laughs) It's it's very funny. (laughs) Uh, Who's your favorite character in the whole thing, Shannon? Um... Oh, that's tricky. Uh, I'm kind of I'm between like either Danny or Rizzo. Mm. Um, Danny because he surprised me this watch. Me through. too. I didn't yeah. remember finding him that endearing the first time I saw it. Yeah. Um. Yeah, and and him like being bad at all the sports was quite funny. Um, yeah, John Travolta does a good job 
of being like a 20-something idiot teenager. Yeah, I Um I did really like him. Yeah, he was a really engaging character. Yeah. Uh, and you could kind of see his battle between posturing for his friends and, and genuinely wanting to show to Sandy that he likes her, um, but not quite knowing how to merge those two things. Yeah. Rizzo is just freaking cool. She's fun. She's fun, she's cool. And she's then she really has... funny. Like, de- she's deliberately funny. Yeah, she's she's hilarious. And then she also has this, like, incredibly moving, deep plot. Mm. She's got a lot of layers to her. And to the point where she's like, like the I skipped a period joke. This is the funniest joke in the movie. And she's yeah. in a dark place. Yeah. When she's <laughs> making that joke. Um, yeah, I, I really think she's got... Like, such a, a intense emotional art yeah. and does an amazing job with it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I'm i going to get back onto my uh, bullshit I've been on before in this podcast, where I absolutely love it, where these movies, like, geared towards children, well, teens, this one, like, have actively, decisively funny women characters. Mm-hmm. Like, all of the pink ladies, maybe bar... Sandy, maybe Bar Marty, mm-hmm. are hilarious. Yeah. Like, Frenchie and Jan and Rizzo and the teachers, yeah. like, make jokes that they think of and say. That is rare in these movies. That's true. Yeah, the ones that we've been watching for Cursed or Blur so far, it's act- actually surprised me when... Because it doesn't remove their depth. It's just how people speak. Yeah. And it's dangerous culturally to write in non-funny women. Yeah. I think. Yeah, and Rizzo is Rizzo is the most deliberately funny. Yeah. I think like situationally Danny is quite funny because he's an idiot, but we're laughing at him. He's not yeah. making jokes. Yeah. He's just a dumbass. Yeah. But like Rizzo's funny on purpose. Yeah. And she's saying like cutting and sharp jokes to people. Yeah. It's really good. I think my favorite character is Danny though. Mm. Again, for the reason you like he's like surprisingly endearing. And one of the only characters in this that feels like a real teen. Yeah. <laughs> he does. He feels like a real teenager. And, and he's like earnest as well. He's not snarky or anything. He yeah. loves cars. He loves his girlfriend. Mm-hmm. And like, <laughs> that's it. That's it. Those are the two things. And he, he's ve- a very supportive friend. Like, Greased Lightning. I forgot that that entire song is him trying to convince the other T-Birds to support Kaniki. Yeah. <laughs> But no homo. But no homo. <laughs> Don't worry about it, guys. <laughs> uh, um, okay, the next question I have to say is, who is the main villain in Greece? And I think we're going to say the same thing. So do you want to say it in unison? Yeah. Three, two, one. Vince Fontaine. Fontaine. Bastard. Yeah. <laughs> He's a villain. Greece is not meant to have a villain, I don't think. I don't think so. No, but it's him. It's Vince Fontaine. Uh, yeah, he's the bad guy. I hate him. Mm-hmm, me too. Die. Yeah. Um, which is your favorite song? Uh, You're the One That I Want is my favorite. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think, like, I like Greased Lightning and Summer Lovin' as well, um, but I think You're the One That I Want is just such a satisfying conclusion to the movie. And like I said, the, the choreography of the song and the lyrics all work together really nicely. It's yeah. just like a really nice sort of culminating moment. Yes. And it's joyful. It's, it's so joyful. It's so joyful. And it's so joyful to watch Danny fall all over himself at Sandy's yeah. feet as she's like, she kicks him over at one <laughs> point with her red high heels and it's just, it's so satisfying. Yeah. 
yeah, I think my favourite is um, Summer Lovin', Summer Nights. Mm-hmm. But only because I think it's just plastered into my like cultural memory of Greece. <laughs> and honestly, it was going to be Beauty School Dropout, but that angel's mean. He was mean. He's the secondary villain. Yeah. After Vince Fontaine. Teen Angel is the second villain. <laughs> is that the character's name? Teen I think Angel? he's called Teen Angel. That was also a TV show. Is he meant to be a teen? Because he looks like he's in his early sixties <laughs> with a toupee. Yeah, the Teen Angel. That's oh my god! Name. Teen Angel was also a TV series when I was growing up that I remember quite liking. Is it a bit like Danny Phantom but with angels? Uh, no, it's live action and. A teenager is sent back to Earth as the guardian of his best friend. I didn't remember the plot to that. I just remembered that it was a show. Mm-hmm. Airing in 1997. Why was I watching that? I was three. <laughs> <laughs> Why did I watch The Shining when I was five? <laughs> Why do we do things as children? <laughs> Childhood is strange, and that's why we have this podcast. <laughs> yeah, so this, um, the next episode will also be voted on on Instagram. So if you're not following our Instagram, it's cursed or blessed, all lowercase, everything's lowercase on Instagram, so you can find it. And you can listen to us on Spotify, iTunes, Podbean, and probably other places, but primarily those three. And you can just, you know what is really fun? If you search Cursed or Blessed podcast on Google, on Google it just comes up. Hey. We're the alphas of we this are. game. We're the alphas well, we're the only podcast players. called this. But you can like listen straight away on Google Play. Huh. It's amazing. Technology is amazing and also scary. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so Niall, you can engage in our vote, our voting system if you would like. For like and follow us on Podbean. Friend of the show. We post Niall from One Direction. I don't know his surname. Horan. Don't ask me why I know that. <laughs> it's because I pity him. Let's <laughs> say that to our new friend Niall. Harry Styles has new music out and it's amazing. It is amazing. He's doing so well. I love you, Harry. <laughs> Harry Styles, if you're listening, direct message us. <laughs> no way Harry Styles has time to listen. <laughs> Only Niall. Maybe Louis. Was there a fifth one? Just, Did he die? You're asking the wrong person. I have no idea. <laughs> um, yeah, come find us. We post memes sometimes. We do. It's, it's a great time had by all, mostly us two. Uh, fun movie fact, I'm going to be in uh, Belfast this week at a conference, um, and some of that conference will be held in the Belfast Titanic Museum. Shout out to the Titanic Museum. Oh, the worst museum. This is the ultimate cursed museum, and I've been to a museum dedicated to salmon. The Titanic Museum in Belfast is one of the most surreal experiences of your life because you can go through pretty much the entire museum if you didn't know what the Titanic was, if you were an alien trying to get into Earth culture. Yeah. Um, They don't mention that the boat crashed. They don't. They're just, it's like Belfast proud shipbuilding history. There's a ride. You go on a ride that takes you around the, the shipyards. They the reconstruction don't, of it. They just really... The, the museum has the equivalent of, you know, like a, a commercial for like a new medicine of some kind that's like playing the side effects and really, really fast and really quiet at the end. <laughs> yeah. That's the... And also the boat sank and a lot of people died. Yep. 
that's about as much as you get as the, as the Titanic Museum. Um, I can't wait to go. I went having lived in, in Halifax, Nova Scotia for four years, and the Maritime Museum of the Atlantic has most of the stuff that washed up from the Titanic. That in seems... It. That seems good. It's great, but the funny thing was is that I went then to the Belfast one thinking like, oh, this is where the other half of the stuff is. And it very much is there, but they do not tell you where the other <laughs> half is. And it's either at the bottom of the Atlantic or in Nova Scotia, where it shouldn't be because we had to fish it out of the sea. <laughs> <laughs> that was fun, that's Titanic discourse. But I think we've forgotten a really important element of the podcast. Which, Shannon, do you think Greece... <laughs> what are we here for? <laughs> is cursed or blessed? Uh, I, think, I think it's blurst. I got a lot of enjoyment out of this film. I think it's blurst. I think um, when I was telling people that we were, we were watching this this week, they were like, why are you watching that? It's fully blessed. And I'm like, I don't know. I don't think it's fully blessed. No. Um, there's enough sort of oddness to it that just... It's the devil's in the details, and it's those things that you don't remember from it. Because, like, I watch the movie, and then you, I do what everyone does, and just watch the song bits on YouTube or listen to the album. Yeah. And the weird stuff isn't in the song bits. No. It's the other stuff. Yeah. And that's that's where the cursed is. Hiding. That's where the cursed is lurking. Yeah. In between the songs. But not enough curse to make it cursed. Yeah. It's this is blurst. It's blurst. Let's be clear. And it's so nice to add another blurst to our collection. Yeah, we're doing this okay. This is three out of many movies that we've watched now. There's <laughs> this, Anastasia, and uh, the first Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. Yeah. So maybe next week we can get a treat again. Or maybe we'll decide to torture ourselves again. Who even knows? Well, it's up to you, the viewer. Vote Listen. on our Instagram. You can do it, Niall. Thank you very much for listening to this week's episode of Cursed or Blurst. And good night. <laughs> Smell you later, Eugene. <laughs>